Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and I would like to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. And it's super fun because we do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles and then also taking a closer look at concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR style e-course. And then we have tons and tons and tons of discussions surrounding what it truly means to follow Jesus in these areas. So you guys, we're super excited today because we have a very special episode and we're going to be doing things just a little bit different and we're very excited about it. So, of course, as per usual, we have joining us Sandy Orchard. Hello. And she is the No Boundaries International co-founder and vice president. And she has been on every single episode with me, Molly. And then I wish we had a little drum roll kit, Sandy, or something that we could go. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. And so joining us today is also Katie Gordon. Hey, that's me. Yeah, that's Katie Gordon, and we're very excited. Katie is probably one of the coolest people that we've ever met in our entire lives. Um, She's actually a detective, which is super fun. So if you see her on the streets, you can address her as Detective Gordon. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she's really cool. She's been volunteering with No Boundaries here and there and helping us, um, just especially with her expertise in certain areas. And she packs heat. Yes, and she packs heat. (laughs) Lots of heat in, like, more than one way. So with that, she's joining us. So Katie, just for a little fun and a little bit of like some get to know you things, let's, I'm going to ask you a few questions about yourself. Okay. Sounds good. So first off, tell us about any pets that you might have. Hmm. So I think you're probably aware. I do have one pet. Uh, his name is Carlton Cherokee and he is a fluffy orange cat. A fluffy orange cat. <laughs> and have you had other fluffy orange cats? I have. I have legacy of Maybe not fluffy, but at least orange cats at this house. Yeah. And uh, a longstanding tradition of having them kind of roll the roost, be part of the friend group, and very integral in what we do. In fact, the previous <laughs> orange cat that I had was named Kevin Debbie. And uh, <laughs> when he passed away, we actually had a funeral service, which 30-plus people, including children, attended. No. So, yeah, the pets are definitely like family around here. Yeah, obviously. Is and the, the cat's an indoor cat? Yes. Yes. For legal purposes, I will say yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's really cool. I've actually gotten to meet this cat, and I've had coffee with this cat. Actually, the coffee. The coffee. The the little cat drinks coffee. Yeah, he loves it. Uh-uh. No, not really. He eats very unusual things. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty neat. So then, also, Katie, then tell us about um, I don't know any hobbies that you may have or what you like to do for fun. So I'm a gigantic nerd. One thing I like to do when the weather is nice is ride my one wheel, which is it's kind of like an electric skateboard, except as you might expect, it has one, one wheel. gigantic wheel <laughs> right in the middle. So it looks kind of goofy, um, mixed between like a Segway and some other stuff, uh, and kind of feels like snowboarding. So I'll uh-huh. ride around the neighborhood and do that. You don't I fall also, off and break out a leg or anything? Or I have fallen off. I've had a few um, not-so-nice crashes at certain points, but no broken bones okay. at all. That's um, good. And I probably can get anyone to do it if you give me 20 minutes of your time in which, you know, you might be terrified that first 20 minutes, but after that, it's super easy. I feel like I've tried this with you mm-hmm. and it did not go well. Well, we did it at night and uh, it's it definitely like much easier during the day. That's yeah. helpful. How fast do those things go? It depends. Uh, the one I usually start people on only goes up to like 14 miles per hour. Okay. Not yeah, too crazy. Yeah, multiple? I 
I do have a couple. I had a hard time getting friends to ride them with, so I got a second one. So now all I need is a friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gotcha. Which a friend, I guess, is easier to get. What about than... the cat? Put the cat on the other one. <laughs> so to complete this, and I'm sorry, this is probably telling on myself too much, but I have like a cat backpack that I do sometimes put the cat okay. in while oh, I ride my one <laughs> That's pretty cute. <laughs> you guys invited me on here. That's we did. <laughs> okay. So then for the last question, tell us just one fun fact. Anything. Oh, that's a tricky one. Yeah. I, I don't like being put on the spot for that one. A fun fact about myself you, or yeah. anything. About you. Fun fact about you. Fun fact about me. Um, I'm a white girl that speaks Spanish. Oh. Meaning I'm not a native speaker. I just learned it on the fly. So that's another fun thing that's turned out to be super beneficial. Okay, tell life. the audience where you used to live and teach. Okay, so I've lived a lot of weird places. But um, in particular, before I became a police officer, I was a teacher I taught at an American-style school in Bethlehem in the West Bank. Casual. <laughs> yeah, and that was really great. It was there for about a year. I still have contact with uh, some of my students. Meaning and, in Israel. like. Yeah, I mean, what, what you call that area is super controversial. Israel, yeah. Palestine, yes. whichever way you So I'm just trying to differentiate it. Yeah. from like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania or Correct, something. or Bethlehem, Texas. No, yeah. no, no. Bethlehem <laughs> in the West Bank, in the Middle East, yes. in occupied Palestinian territory of Israel. It's, Yeah. All cool. of that. Wow, that's way cool. Yeah. And then I did spend uh, about six months in Mexico City, kind of just teaching and volunteering down there. And that wow. definitely helped with the... What did you teach? Uh, English at okay. different schools there. So my Spanish skills needed a boost as far as speaking and comprehension and uh-huh. conversation. So I started out with a friend who taught at like the Mexican version of Jimboree with like two and three-year-olds. Aww. <laughs> I started there and eventually I made a friend who taught fifth grade and okay. kind of went along the way just teaching in different schools and integrating where I could and volunteering. And really it was good to get me a lot better at Spanish. So yeah, wow, that's a good plan. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So that is a little bit about detective Gordon who we're super excited to have here joining us today. And so honestly, you guys, what we're going to do is something that is very different than what we normally do. And what we want to do is we want to introduce you to a new way of studying the Bible in your community. So The methodology that we're going to be utilizing for this podcast today is called Discovery Bible Study, or for short, we call it DBS. And we're very, very excited. And so this methodology is used all around the world. It's used in the underground churches in the Middle East. It's used in the underground churches in China and then other kind of like various places. And we actually, as No Boundaries International, we actually use this method in one of our uh, Bible studies on the south side of Oklahoma City at our community center. And so it's really fun. And what this, the purpose kind of of this Bible study is to make us storytellers of Jesus. And then also it combines obedience-based discipleship. And so the two kind of go hand in hand to where the reader or the people that are in the Bible study are really getting the word inside of them. And then they're actually responding to it so that we're not just hearers of the word, but we're also doers. And I love this method because it can be used in any culture or any socioeconomic status or any race, gender. It doesn't matter because it's just the word that's teaching the person. And so the idea is that Anyone can read the Bible and anyone can be taught by Jesus himself and anyone can be led by the Holy Spirit if that's something that they're interested in, that you don't have to have 
eight years of seminary or you have to go to the priest to hear from God or that you have to go to your neighbor who seems to be closer. It's that Jesus himself can teach you the things that he wants you to know and he does it through his word and he'll start to reveal things to you. So um, the kind of one of the uh, resources that we have been using, it's called the Discovery Bible Study app but it looks a little bit different on your phones. If you go to the App Store or in the Google Play Store, it has, it's red and it says Discover on it. So it doesn't say Discovery, which sometimes throws people off, but it just says Discover and it's red and it has a magnifying glass on it. And so I'm actually going to be reading from the app and actually using the questions in the question prompts that it has in the app, but that's something that you can use as a resource if you're in a place where, I don't know, you and your community members want to sit down and do this. You can just pull out your phones. It's very, very helpful. So I'm going to give kind of a rundown of what it's going to look like, and then we're going to actually participate in one to show you how this works. We love this method, and the idea is that you can do it anywhere, anytime, with whoever. So how it starts is it's going to introduce you to a passage or a story of Jesus. And what happens is the group then reads that story in like different translations of the Bible. And you can read it a few times until it really gets ingrained in you. That's the idea is that this will become like something that's just part of your heart that just is naturally comes out. And so we'll read it in a few different translations. And then this is the fun part. You close your Bible And then you retell the story. And so you and your group, you're trying to figure out like, oh man, do we remember what it says? Because that's the part that makes us storytellers of Jesus and gets it to really sink in there. And so you have the whole community and you're all like, oh, and this happened. Oh, and then this happened. And then after that, after you've kind of got like, you know the story, you guys told it pretty well, you don't think that you've left anything out. Then you answer the questions And the three questions that we're going to be asking and then responding to today are, what does this story tell us about God? What does this story tell us about man? And because we believe that this story is true, what personal changes would we make in our lives because of it? And then actually the fourth question is, who are you going to tell? And so the idea is that then it would multiply. So that's what we're going to do. And we're going to go ahead and just kind of get started. And I will say... oh. Yeah, so I will say the one reason, well, there's a couple reasons that we, Molly and I, wanted to do this podcast is to present a tool to the audience that, like, could be used anywhere. You don't have to have some, you know, theological degree and that sort of stuff. It should be simple. Mm-hmm. And so this is a simple way to do this with your friends, your neighbors, or whatever. And then the second disclaimer I want to make is, so Molly does this quite frequently um, at no, with our No Boundaries Community Center. Um, and I've done it some, I don't go as often as Molly does. And then Katie has done it zero. So actually the responses you're going to hear are legit. This isn't like scripted. Right. This is just right. Literally, we're just coming together and trying to do this, how, uh, we actually do it at the community center or how you do it with your peers or your community. And so the idea is that you just let the scripture speak to you. And so we haven't really thought about anything. We really are just coming together as three people and we're just going to read it and see what happens and have conversation and then see what Holy Spirit wants to reveal because that's actually how it's done around the world. It's really fun. So should we dive in? Yes. So for today's scripture, it's going to be Luke 5 
and it's verses 17 through 26. And so also the idea with this is that we would stick to just the scripture. So if you are hosting a discovery Bible study or you're facilitating to know that what you really want to try to do is to keep everyone on track with just the scripture passage that you're reading that day. So it's kind of fun to like pull from other things or your mind starts going. But the idea is really that you would get this story in you and know what it's saying to you specifically in that moment. So you can't rabbit trail off. Right. So that you're not the idea, which is hard for us. You know, me and Sandy, we'd be going all day. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to try really hard to not rabbit trail off talking to myself right now. So it's again, Luke chapter five, verses 17 through 26. So I'm going to read it from the Discovery Bible Study app. And then after that, Katie will read it and then Sandy will read it in different translations. So let's get started. All right. It says, On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, Some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them. Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or for you to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Wow, this is a good story. (laughs) Okay, so that was one version from the app. So then now, Katie, do you want to read? Yes, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Okay. All right. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone is gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praise God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Wow. So good. That is good. 
Like, this is just a good story every single time. (laughs) Okay, Sandy, you're up. Okay, and I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. One day, many Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees, along with many uh, religious scholars, came from every village of Galilee throughout Judea and even from Jerusalem to hear Jesus teach. And the power of the Lord God searched through him to instantly heal. Some men came to Jesus, carrying a paralytic man on a stretcher. They attempted to bring him past... uh, bring him in past the crowd to set him down in front of Jesus. But because there were so many people crowding the door, they had no way to bring him inside. So they crawled onto the roof, dug their way through the roof tiles, and lowered the man, stretcher and all, into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing the demonstration of their faith, Jesus said to the paraplegic man, My friend, your sins are forgiven. The Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars whispered objections among themselves. Who does this man think he is to speak such blasphemy? Only God can forgive sins. Does he think he is God? (laughs) Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why do you argue in your hearts over what I do and think that is blasphemy, blasphemy for me to say his sins are forgiven? Let me ask you, which is easier to prove? When I say your sins are forgiven or when when I say stand up, carry your stretcher and walk? Jesus turned to the paraplegic man and said, to prove to you all that I, the Son of Man, have, have the lawful authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you now, stand up, carry your stretcher, and go on home, for you are healed. In an instant, the man rose right before their eyes. He stood, picked up his stretcher, and went home, giving God all the glory with every step he took. The people were seized with astonishment and dumbfounded over what they had just witnessed, and they all praised God, remarking, oh, remarking over and over, incredible, what an incredible miracle we've seen today. Wow. That's so good. Okay. So do, do we think that we know the story? Well, I'm hoping. (laughs) So now we're hoping. So now what we do and what you guys would do if you're facilitating is you have everyone close your Bibles or for me, you know, turn your phone off. Mm -hmm. And then what we're going to do is retell this story. And then once we think that we've really got it down, then what we'll do is we'll ask the questions. So who wants to start? What happens first? I'll start. The Pharisees and religious leaders were all gathered together in someone's house. And they came from everywhere. Like they came from all, like far away, mm-hmm. right? Near yeah. and far. Uh-huh. And it was the scholars, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was all the Pharisees scholars. Pharisees and the religious scholars. Okay. Yes. Okay. And there was a lot of people. They came from in everywhere. In somebody's house. In somebody's house. And yeah. the Lord gave Jesus power to heal. Yes. Yeah. I hadn't ever caught that before. Okay. And God gave, God gave Jesus power to heal. And then... Well, then, because he gave people power to heal, some people were like, let's load up our friend who's paralyzed and take him in here to go see Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then they get there, and it's super-duper crowded, and they can't bring him in close enough to get him in front of Jesus. Because there's so many people. So they climb up on the roof. I think my version said they took off a tile. Yeah, mine mm-hmm. did, too. Yeah. So they dug through the roof and just lowered the dude... On his mat. How'd you like to do that homeowner in that? <laughs> that would be, wouldn't that be a little tricky? Like, like would your insurance cover that? <laughs> yeah, listen, roofs are expensive. <laughs> like, probably even in that day, right? Anyway. Well, probably. So they I'd take be afraid the that I'd, I'd tip the poor guy off the mat and he'd hit the, hit the deck. <laughs> That's my fear right there. <laughs> Santa's over here dropping her friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not. Yeah. Okay, never mind. He's okay, already focus. paralyzed, but... So well, that's true. What <laughs> can you? We do? can't make it worse. <laughs> They've had nothing to lose at this point. Yeah. So they take off the tiles of the roof mm-hmm. and they lower them down. And then what? 
And really? it says they lowered him right in front of Jesus, so they were strategic. Yeah. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Then Jesus says, depending on your translation, my friend or young man, seeing their faith, your sins your are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. And that's whenever the whole place shook. Like, everyone's like, what? Who? How can you say that? Well, at least but the they thought it. Or religious they, they scholars it. did, yeah. And Maybe it just hearts. got, like, real quiet. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you're probably like, who are you to think that you, like, how are you able to do that? Like, that was probably a big, mm -hmm. like, can you imagine that moment? Like, you are someone who has studied over and over and over. You've studied the scriptures. You've taught. You've held the quote-unquote standard of the law, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have this man who you don't know, who's walking around healing people. Okay, sorry. Focus on this story. Who's <laughs> in this house teaching and then on things that you have actually studied your whole life, right? And then, and you don't recognize this dude. You're like, who is this? And then he says something as like radical as this. This is insane. That's probably what they thought too. No wonder. I mean, I just mean like, I would also probably be like, what the heck, dude? Like, how can you say that? You know, like you want to think that you wouldn't think that, but. So they said this is blasphemy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This uh -huh. is straight up an affront to God. Yeah. This is unacceptable. But they thought it. Yeah. And then Jesus perceives their thoughts. It's also wild. And starts to say, okay, which one's easier? Actually, back up a little bit, too. I think it was he perceived their thoughts. And I can't remember, too, if there was part of the dialogue also where he knew more what they were thinking before he goes into that whole thing about, like, I'm going to show you which one's easier to do. Yeah, I think to he show did you have authority something about knowing their thoughts. Yeah. Then he, he said, and then, yeah, what you, you know, how you described it. Okay. Your sins are forgiven. Or... Sorry. Which is so easier. knowing your knowing their thoughts, he said, which do you think is easier to 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 do for the son of man to do? Mm -hmm. I think that's how it went. To say your sins are forgiven or to say pick up your mat and walk. Mm -hmm. So let's just do both. So let's do yeah. both. Which is oh But to show you that the Son of Man has authority on earth. So then, then he turned to the guy who they just lowered mm -hmm. right in front of him and he says, Take up your mat. Bye. Your sins are forgiven. <laughs> and then he does. Like, what? And then he just does it. Mm -hmm. He takes so the guy his gets mat, up. This guy that's just been lowered in through the roof by his besties, takes up his mat, like, stands up after being paralyzed and walks away. Y'all, okay, I can tell that I'm a little bit, like, <laughs> hyped up. Like, what is this? Okay, and then what? And then he walks away praising God because he's stoked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He just got healed. Like, this is amazing. And then the people, the people were amazed and stunned by the whole thing. They were seized. Okay. Yeah. That is one translation does say that. And then you, you kind of want to add to it, like, and the Pharisees were still grumbling. You want to kind of put that in the end, but it's not there. <laughs> but yeah, it is something that you think. <laughs> okay. Is that everything? What do you think, Katie? I think so. Everyone was in awe. Everyone was like, what the heck just happened? And everyone was seized with, like, wonder. Amazement. And, like, whoa. wow. Like, whoa. Like, once you've seen that, and you have this person who's saying all kinds of crazy things suddenly, or that sound, they're not crazy things, but they sound crazy because it's so different than any way that you've ever experienced anything. Like, what the heck? Like, I just can't imagine, well, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to actually be in that moment and, like, which part 
you know, which mm-hmm. person from every person's perspective, like from the friends lowering the friend to the guy who's actually paralyzed to Jesus to the Pharisees, like any perspective that you take that from, it is just absolutely wild. Mm-hmm. So now, okay, so we think we got it, right? So for this part, you can then reopen your Bibles if you want. And what we're going to do is we're going to answer three, three to four questions. And so, again, these are questions that are taken straight from the Discovery Bible Study app. And the first one is, what does this story tell me about God? Well, gosh, there's a lot. But I think for me, the first thing I tend to go to is like, what's the heart? Where's where's the heart in it? And so Mm -hmm. I see Jesus out of the kindness of his heart. He encounters this this guy and for some reason he addresses the sin issue first yeah instead of just going for the obvious like hey the guy's laying on a mat he can't walk you know it should be fairly obvious yeah but he addresses his sin first so i don't like the i guess my question would be is there some kind of heart wound that the guy has something where he feels like he's been rejected by god or something going on like that because jesus really targets that so he's able to like the kindness and love of Jesus, he sees the man hurting and he just wants the man to know that he's, that he's forgiven, which is also like, you're I'm, like, God loves you and he, God sees you. That's sort mm-hmm. of all packaged in that one moment. I think that's just, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but, and so I tend to go a little bit for what's the heart, how is the heart displayed of Jesus? So but that's one thing. Anyway, Katie. Yeah. And the, Order seems important because you start out with mentioning like the Pharisees and everybody are there. Mm-hmm. And then when this other paralyzed guy gets dropped in into the scene, literally, it's interesting that Jesus does go for that first of like your sins are forgiven. And that's what sets them off. Mm-hmm. So the whole time it's like, I see yeah. God orchestrating something that is for that person he's meeting one on one, but it's also for the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. And it's also trying to like go in an order that's going to challenge their hearts and try mm-hmm. to speak to them too. Because if you step I mean, of all the things he did and healed the dude, like starting out by addressing the sin part and offending the Pharisees and everyone, but then following it up with a demonstration of power and over just sickness mm-hmm. and healing him too. That's a testament to them that speaks to their heart as well as just the guy that he's ministering to on an individual level. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that God's heart is for the heart of the people. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what he goes after. I mean what we're getting from this story is like God is so for their hearts. Mm -hmm. Like, and if he's perceiving what's in their hearts, like (laughs) that's wild too, to think that he's that in tune to us. So that's something that, that tells me about God is that he's like, he's literally all powerful, Mm -hmm. like literally to where that he would know the heart motive behind everything that you're even thinking. Like you don't even have to say anything but he knows your true heart motive and the true things that you're questioning or that you're wondering, like meaning you can't really hide. You it from can't him. hide from him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's something this story tells me about God. You cannot hide from him, and that he's all powerful. What else? No, I mean just even details about like the Lord gave Jesus power to heal people, and just that that's also something that the Lord wants is healing, like yeah. top to bottom, mm-hmm. and. That's interesting, too, because, again, we think about physical healing, first of all, and that's normally the thing that comes to the forefront of our mind is your physical condition. But just the order, again, of God, like, addressing his spiritual and heart condition first, and then that overflowed even 
to physical healing. So sometimes it's just the priorities of God. Priorities of God, yeah. He wanted the heart first, and he addressed the heart first before he he addressed the sin thing first before he addressed mm-hmm. the physical thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also like that. It was God who gave Jesus the power to heal. Like, I think that's important. I don't <laughs> know if anyone else can expand on that thought, but it, I know that I haven't. I mean, I feel like I've read the story, you know, before, mm-hmm. but I've never actually stopped on that until today of like, and God gave Jesus the power to heal. Mm-hmm. Like all, again, all power comes from him and he pours that out whenever, like it's the right moment or the right time or the right whatever for whatever you need in that moment for what God is doing and what he's already planning to do. He gives us what we need. He gives us the authority and the power that we need mm-hmm. in the moment that we need it. That's what that tells me about God. This is great for external processors. Love this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Does that sum up pretty much what we think or just some ideas? Not everything, obviously. Well, I think, too, the, the very uh, the last couple sentences there where it said the crowd was amazed and awed. Mm-hmm. Really contrast to the Pharisees who came there. And apparently they came from out of town. So, I mean, it took some doing from them to get there. If they if they had come from Jerusalem. So they went through all this effort there to, well, I guess for lack of a better word, to test Jesus. Like, who is this guy? We've heard a lot about him. So they came there with an agenda is really what I'm trying to get at. Mm-hmm. And so contrast that to the crowd who was amazed in a good way. Like, because, you know, it just seems like when Jesus does this stuff, it's supposed to strike your heart. Like, what do I believe? What should I do with mm-hmm. that? You know? And to to do something with their what they think about Jesus is he really the son of God and that having yeah. those kind of heart conversations. So I mean it's just a huge contrast the two and and so uh, just to be able for who is like whoever reads this sort of thing to do a heart check where am I which camp am I in am I more like the Pharisees or am I more like the people who are amazed in yeah. a good way and want to to see Jesus in that sort of light of amazement and awe. Mm -hmm. And that's where, well, and that's kind of where the next question then leads us is in what does the story tell us about man? Uh And it's that like, what does the story tell us about man that we, we can really approach God from what you're saying, saying in two different ways, really about a thousand different ways, Mm -hmm. but like (laughs) two of them that are really highlighted here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Second that too. And even the other unspoken or maybe spoken MVPs of this are the friends that brought the guy in too. That's and how much thinking, like yeah. going out of your way and being willing to do something radical or inconvenient because your heart is for your friends. Like it says that seeing their faith, that's when Jesus turned to him and said, your sins are forgiven. But mm-hmm. something about faith moves the heart of God mm-hmm. yeah. and that you have the capacity to set off whole things, not only for like your friends and other people and effectively bringing them to Jesus and having that be effective, even if they aren't able to bring themselves, Mm -hmm. but how that is a catalyst for God confronting stuff in other people's hearts too. So, yeah, we need community Mm -hmm. and that we can use the faith of our community whenever we are the ones that are hurting or if we're quote unquote Mm -hmm. paralyzed in our minds or emotionally or physically even. Well, it's kind of like the paralyzed man was able to borrow the faith of his friends. Yeah. And um, how cool to have friends that would, I mean, they were persistent. I mean, and it it just shows that God really responds to hunger and faith, like you said, you know. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus says, seeing their faith. So he, he was saying the faith of the friends, you know. 
I mean, so they were cool going to get to him. They were going to get him to Jesus they at were, all costs. They were, yeah. They were in mm-hmm. it 100%, and they're going to do whatever it took. Like, they knew that he was the answer. They knew that he was the only one who could help them. And they, like, to take the tiles off? Come on. <laughs> like, I wouldn't even know how to begin doing that. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. But if I can imagine, like, my friend, can, in getting up the stairs, I imagine there's stairs. Probably, yeah. And, like, Carrying you've got someone on a stretcher. stretcher. Like, how many friends are we talking? Like, two or, like, five? How many would it take to actually, like, lift a body of someone who's paralyzed and then get them all the way up the stairs? I don't know. These are some not even just faith. I mean, they're faithful to him. They're also faithful to the paralyzed man in mm-hmm. friendship. Like, they are committed to their friends. And those aren't the super educated ones either. Right. These are the guys who just have a paralyzed friend, which, again, like the scribes and the Pharisees are the contrast because you can have this whole systematic thing planned out in your head and God apparently will completely offend that Mm -hmm. like he did in this passage. And it's the people who just pure heartedly, no matter what Mm -hmm. your educational background is, just came with a, a hungry, believing heart. And those that, are the ones that he... Yeah, it came away joyful. Yeah. And really received what he was saying in its fullness. Right. And they just knew that at whatever cost they had to get their friend there, and whenever you have the Pharisees who are sitting there and they're like, just trying to test Jesus. I feel like there's a little bit of both groups of that in all of us. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know that there's times that I'm like, yes, like I'd have to get to Jesus no matter the cost. Like we are all in, we're doing it like... Whatever it looks like, I know that this is the answer. And then I also know that there are some times that I'm like, Jesus, I don't know how you're working that out. Like, (laughs) are you sure? Like, are you sure you meant that? Are you sure that that's how it's going to go down? I'll travel really far to see you, but I want what you say to fit into my box. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. There's that. (laughs) Yeah, I got that too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is like, so their friends, the friends of the of the man, were persistent and they loved him. And they, because sometimes, like I've heard the phrase talk about, you can, you know, be selfish and you're selfish at the expense of others. Mm-hmm. So somebody's getting hurt, and so, but it's just totally opposite with these friends because, like, they're loving him so well that it's not at his expense and it's at nobody's it's expense. Him. Yeah. Versus the Pharisees, who came with an agenda and they did not love and and it was at the expense of the man because if they had their way that whole thing wouldn't have happened because they thought it was blasphemous so it, it would have been at the expense of the paralyzed man yeah and totally like an unmerciful heart toward the man mm. versus mm-hmm. the friends who just he they did everything they could out of mercy and love to help him yeah that's good and i also like i mean whenever we ask what does the story tell us about man I see the just different responses like there at the end to stand in amazement. Mm-hmm. And it makes me just think like, do I walk away from situations or circumstances amazed at God? Like what's the positioning of my heart in that? Or have I hardened places inside of me? Or do I have things that are, you know, where I don't walk away in amazement? Yeah, that's a big, that's, that's a good point. This is good. Mm-hmm. So anything else that we think that this story tells us about man? I can't think of anything. I can't really either. I mean... So we've talked about what does a story tell us about God? What does a story tell us about man? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so then the very last question... Oh, well, there's four, aren't there? Oh, yeah, there's four. Sorry. Sorry. I keep... I know. I keep saying that there's three. 
There's four. So the third question is, since we believe that this is really God's word, what changes would I have to make in my life? And the thing about this question is it's supposed to be personal. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, I mean, you're supposed to go into like specifics on like what change that you would make in your life, because it's not supposed to be this like generic, like, oh, I'm going to love God more. Like, yes, that is, will be the outcome of it. But specifically, what are the actions that you're going to do? And so the idea is that this is where the obedience comes in. So this is, this kind of Bible study is an obedience-based discipleship. So that what's happening is you're reading the word and you're truly receiving revelation. And then you truly respond to that revelation with obedience to what you believe Jesus is saying over your life. And then you confess these things out loud within your community so that you can hold each other accountable in the best way. And not with shame and condemnation if someone doesn't, but just to say like, man, Remember when God told you this, and it's so much easier, I think, when you're walking it out in a community to have people that are consistently like, no, God said this, and we're for you, and we want to see you succeed in Christ so that you'll be able to stand before him one day and said that you were completely obedient and gave him everything back. Like that really is the goal. And the thing about this is like, if you're disobedient, or if you're, if you don't, do the thing that he told you to do. It's not in shame or punishment, but then it's like, quote unquote, like you don't move forward and not meaning like you're kicked out of the group and not meaning that you can't, you know, participate in the next one, but it's really like this, but you won't ask that question again on the next Bible study because you really need to be faithful with what he's already told you to do. And so this Bible study will kind of get you in that mindset where he tells you to do something And then you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of living in that place. But he always does it by, like you said in the very beginning, revealing his heart and revealing his heart for you and revealing his heart for the people that he loves. So with that, because we believe the story is true, what changes would we make in our daily life? Um, So trying to make this very personal to my life, one of the things that stands out to me is that both the Pharisees and the friends that brought in the paralyzed guy, they had to come from far away and do something inconvenient to put themselves in front of Jesus. Yeah. And that is the main thing that's sticking out to me is in spite of not having to actually physically travel that far or cut someone's roof off, there are a lot of things where I don't come before Jesus because it's inconvenient and my schedule is chaotic and it's not like well, I'm tired now, or I don't have time, or this or that, but just are you willing to step out and make sure that you get in front of Jesus when it's inconvenient? Ooh, that's good. That's good. So what does that look like, practically speaking? That is something I've been trying to figure out because I've had a lot of life shifting, and my schedule went from like almost utter chaos to now somewhat more structured. Yeah. And so when I don't have a consistent schedule, I become very inconsistent. Mm. But that has to stay consistent. So that is my kind of question, whether it needs to be like a first fruits thing to like wake up even earlier in the morning and start out at like freaking five o'clock or something. Yeah. (laughs) I do not want to be conscious to do it or if I can do it at the end of the day. But at some point I have to do something consistently, no matter what my inconsistent schedule is doing. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm trying to figure out because when I do wake up at five in the morning, um, I feel like I don't get a lot out of it because my brain's not awake. Yeah, but there's still that faithfulness part of like, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, get in front of him. 
exactly. So that's probably what that will look like. So going forward, it's going to be figuring out. Um, and that may be a, like a before I go to bed thing too. I don't know, I might yeah. flip it to then because I actually am more alert at that point. It's just the consistency thing because when I do have those moments, I can tell the difference in me and how mm-hmm. much more that I can walk in the fruit of the spirit or just experience peace and walk in that versus when I don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just the first fruit kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. All right, Sandy. Um, I think for me, it it all kind of centers around love, which um, I'm not trying to be like a general, like you had just described a generalization. <laughs> but I mean, uh, one of my goals is really to love people better. Um, and so as an introvert, sometimes that's challenging for me. And so as part of the love thing, like, like to be like to love people, even when it's inconvenient, like if I'm in a store or whatever, am I going to stop and pray for the lady across the, you know, way across the aisle that I can see who's, who's looks like she's sick with something or, and then number two, in that inconvenience, will I pray for healing for her? Yeah. And so those are some challenges with me that, um, that I really want to be more intentional about. And so then the idea behind that then would be, could you commit to like what number or something that you could actually put in place to make sure that you do that? So that would be like, okay, I'm going to commit to praying for two strangers this week or two random people, you know, that I don't know. So Mm -hmm. then at that point, then you would just ask Jesus like, hey, who, like how many people are we, are we talking? Yeah. (laughs) Or at least to say that then you've stepped out in faith Mm -hmm. to do what you believe that he's called you to do. So then the next time that we would meet, that the idea would be that we'd come back and I'd say, okay, Katie, like what time have you been getting up? Or I would say, what, like, how was your obedience-based discipleship this week? Like, how did you do, you know, pressing into God in the morning or Mm -hmm. making sure that you made your schedule fit? Like, you know, when you got to Jesus, when it was inconvenient, like, tell me something that's come out of that. Or I'd say, Sandy, okay, so who did you pray for this over this week that it was a stretch for you or Mm -hmm. that you had to be really cognizant of, Mm -hmm. like, something that was outside of your comfort zone? Mm -hmm. So it would be that kind of thing. Okay, yeah. So then, I, uh, my turn. Yeah, what about you? <laughs> yes, Molly, your turn. I mean, I read this story, and there's a lot of things that pop up immediately. So maybe I might have more than one. But I want to be able to be that kind of friend that's willing to, to go the extra mile. And that's not always my go-to. Like, do you know what I mean? And I mean, this is... I mean, this is really real. I'm being really real about where I'm at right now. (laughs) But, and which is just honesty before God, because it's true and honesty before community. But sometimes like when people need extra help or extra something, my idea is like, oh, they got it. They'll figure it out. Or like, I'll pray for them. Like, and of course I'm going to pray for them. But then to see people who are really in my close life, if they need to be lowered on the mat. I'm like, would I have carried that man? Would I have seen him? And like, I would say that I loved him and I would say that I was in it with him and that we were doing this together and that I was all in. And then whenever it came time to actually carry him up those stairs, like I'm already out of breath just thinking about (laughs) it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we serve a lot of people um, out of our community center. So not even just like our, not even just people that I'm like close to as far as, uh, in my faith community, but also like the people that we serve. I really want then over this week to do something that's like that. 
Like, and I don't know what that looks like yet, but I do know then the next time that I see you guys, if we do this again, <laughs> that I'll be able to say like, I, I lowered someone, I lowered someone through the roof, so to speak, mm-hmm. or I did something, uh, out of my way and it took work on my end because I had faith and wanted to get them in front of Jesus and something that was yeah. self-sacrifice. I mean, those friends sacrificed, they sacrificed their day. They sac- I mean, I really have thought about this, <laughs> like. <laughs> they made real sacrifices. They sacri- they who knows how long they carried him, and even just to hoist him up the stairs. Like I can't. Well, and they were willing to go uh, countercultural. Yeah. So knowing that it would make some people mad, what they did. Yeah. I mean, obviously the dude who owns the roof, we might have to repair that. I don't know how that went at the end of the day, but they knew that it was going to put them at odds with the Pharisees too. And by the time it ended, it was just like. Am I more concerned about my friend, like truly having an encounter with the Lord and being forgiven and healed and walking away joyful in that, even though other people do not understand and that they're going to be angry about it? Yeah, that's a good point, which makes me even more uncomfortable. So (laughs) like, you know, or just like going at things against it, like society as a whole would say like, this isn't acceptable or you can't do that here. Like you can't pray like that here or you can't bless like that here, or you can't do that here, like those kinds of things. But if God's asking us to, man, or if not even if God's asking us to, these people just knew they had to get to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that. It's not even like, it is simple, so wholehearted it's, faith. it's just a wholehearted, like, what can I do physically that shows that I want to help get you to Jesus at whatever that looks like. And so I'm going to do that, whatever that means for if it's one of our people that we're serving on the South side. If it's in our faith community, if it's in my family, if it's in my friend group, like there, something needs to happen. I feel that strongly. Mm -hmm. That's probably enough. (laughs) So then the very last question is who are you going to tell? And so again, the idea behind this question is that it's like, okay, you've received. And so now go tell someone. And it's really fun because it really puts out like that you don't have to be the Bible scholar that did all the things and blah, 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 which love those things. And I love Bible scholars actually. (laughs) So like those things are awesome, but it really is like a, um, like that you can tell the stories of Jesus who like whoever, whoever you are, wherever you are, you can tell the stories of Jesus, anyone, anywhere, anytime. That's the question for us. I think, I mean, I feel like we just did. Yeah. Like we, I mean, we're, this is our lives. This is yeah. what, this is our favorite thing to do. And so we just told this story. Literally, we have no idea who will hear this. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's very fun. So any final thoughts from either of you on this story or anything about Discovery Bible Study that you can think of? This is good. And I like the fact that it kind of, there is the same lesson within the overarching lesson of what this is about, being mm-hmm. like taking the text and don't go, 50 other directions, or even try to pull in other parallel scriptures to it. Just look at what it is and respond to it. And then you see, even within this particular story, the people that just looked at who Jesus was and responded and went for it mm. are the ones who received. So I like that. I like the method of it too, again, that you just have to let the word actually like interact with you mm-hmm. or just engage it. Yeah, And it's living and active itself. And so that changes you and kind of keeps you from becoming that point where you tempted to become more like a Pharisee or scribe where you have so much head knowledge, but did you respond? Yeah. Like the actual obedience part to it is yeah. the kicker. So yep. I like it. Because that's, I mean, that's how you'll know. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if there's real heart transformation, you can't help but not like you'll want to respond. Sandy? No, I think that's good. I like it. I know we uh, several weeks ago just got back from Africa and we actually were working in a prison there. And then we, we taught them, the, the prisoners, how to do this so that they could do this. They have a little church there, but also so they could do this on their wings or pods or whatever their living areas are called. Yeah. And so they seem to get it, you know, because it's just simple and it can it can be done easily. So, yeah. And that's what you guys to see the transformation or the stories that have come out of even our South Side Oklahoma City community. Like I remember whenever we first started doing this level or this kind of uh, Bible study down there, you know, we have a meal and then we talk and it brings in it really just evens the playing field as far as like we sit down together and we have a meal and it's not like an us and them. Mm-hmm. It's like, what can we discover together? Mm-hmm. And that's what's fun. And I remember whenever we first went down, people didn't really know what to think. And there was like, it was just our team. There was like four team members and that was it. And now I can tell you that there's like 25 to 30 people that are coming in and engaging with the story because it's captivating. Like God is captivating and it's his, it's his, job to capture the hearts of his people. And whenever we participate with that, to see people start to read these stories and come alive and want to know more, or to say like, Hey, man, I think I like, I'm going to I'm going to stop smoking. I think that that's what, you know, <laughs> like, or whatever the thing is, like, it's huge. It's huge. I'm very excited about this. And I love, I love this method. And I love, I love that. That yeah, it, it's good. It's heart transformation. Mm-hmm. And that you hear and you respond. Mm-hmm. And that should be our position all the time as believers. And so that's what I want us to take away from this. So here's what I'm hearing. Is if you've listened to this story or you've listened to this methodology, that you would take it and you would run with it. That you would become a storyteller of Jesus. That this is what we're called to do. That we're called to read the scripture and in our hearts that then we're called to respond to it. And so, listeners, I'm just going to pray that God would reveal himself mightily to you, that as you open up the living word, that your heart would be transformed, that it would be softened to receive whatever Jesus is saying, and that for all of us, the three of us sitting here, and then for everyone who's listening, that we wouldn't become hardened or start to question God or question Jesus or question his leadership, that we would submit to his authority and look at him in awe and in wonder about who he is and the power that he carries. And that we would, like Sandy did in the beginning, is ask God for his heart, to ask him what his heart is saying through scripture. And that then we would in turn respond back in something that we would be able to offer back up to him. And that's going to be our obedience. And so I just pray for obedience over all of us that we would hear and we would respond in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So thank you, Katie, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hope you liked it. It was fun. Yeah, it was a blast. And as per usual, thank you, Sandy. Well, anytime. It's been great. We'll talk with you guys next time. All right. Bye. Bye.